welcome back to uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, Merrimack Warrior Hockey. And uh, we are at the end of one period. Merrimack and Mercyhurst all tied up at one-to-one. John Leahy with you, and uh, very happy to have with us in between periods one and two, the Director of Athletic Communications at uh, Merrimack, Chris Aliano. And uh, Chris, great to have you here. Let's start by getting your thoughts on this first period. Certainly a quick pace. Warriors give up the first, but get the second. Well, uh, Mark Denny said going into this weekend that Mercyhurst likes to play a little bit like UMass Lowell, and we all know how they are. You know, they like to move the puck quickly up and down the ice. They like to put a lot of shots on net. And although I thought Merrimack controlled most of the key opportunities in that period, it controlled, I think, the flow of the game, too. I mean, it's certainly closer than, than the shots on goal, which I think was only 11-7 at the end of the first indicated. Uh, Mercyhurst is holding its own. They're in their own barn. Uh, they came to Merrimack last year and, and split, and you know, they got off. Uh, they've got high expectations, as they always do here in Atlantic Hockey, and this is kind of a big game for them. Obviously, whenever they get a chance to host a hockey team, and I think you're seeing that reflected in their play. And they're definitely up for this game, and it could go. You know, we have seen a goal for either team. You know, any more goals for either team that period? I thought uh, it was. Although Merrimack might have controlled the overall pace of the period, I thought Mercyhurst did a pretty good job. Let's talk about this start for Merrimack, Chris. Three and zero on the year. Warriors haven't had a start like that since 2011-12, and uh, you know, three one-goal wins. But boy, it's been exciting to watch, hasn't it? It really has. I came to Merrimack uh, in 2012-13, but in those previous two years, you know, I was no stranger to, to college hockey or to hockey East or, or Merrimack's rise to prominence in 2010-11-11-12. Uh, 2010-11, I was a senior, and I remember watching that NCAA tournament game uh, from my apartment and, you know, thinking, man, how far has Merrimack come? And then, obviously, uh, the start they had in 2011-12, and, you know, the Warriors are really on the map. Unfortunately, since I got here, I know the win total had, you know, fallen each year, and I know last year was a tough year for everyone to comprehend, uh, not, well, not only comprehend, but obviously just a tough year to really sit through. Uh, so now, coming into this year, you know, being 3-0-0 right out of the gate, it, it feels good. It, and you just see it in the locker room, John. You see it on campus. You see it with the people, not only in, in the athletic department, but the people all over campus. You know, it's only three games, so you have to keep an even key on it. But it sure is nice coming out of the gate 3-0-0 instead of 0-3 like last year. And, you know, the sky's the limit right now with this team. Well, Chris, uh, you know, it's not just hockey that you're involved with on campus. Uh, you you're, you're, you got your thumbs really on a lot of teams. Maybe you give us a quick update on uh, how the fall is going with some of the other teams. It's uh, a lot of very high expectations going into the fall, and a lot of those expectations have been met for the most part. I'll start right off the top of my head. Uh, the women's tennis team, after having a historic year last year, uh, they won the league championship for the third time ever and made NCAAs for the first time in about eight years or so, and they punched their ticket back to the NE10 title game after a come-from-behind win uh, as an underdog. Uh, they battled through some injuries this fall, even though they had sky-high expectations. That uh, was the NE10 semifinals today, and they came from behind to beat uh, Adelphi University, so they're going to play in the league title game tomorrow. Uh, they flip-flop the championship season this year, so the women are actually playing their league championship in the fall. So then, no matter what happens tomorrow, uh, the winner of the, of the conference title game they have to wait all the way to the spring to play the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of awkward, but it's awesome in the sense that, you know, Merrimack could have its first, hopefully, first of many uh, league championships tomorrow, as, or on Sunday, rather, when the women's tennis team plays SNU, I believe, in, in the league title game. So that's one right off the bat. Uh, the men's soccer team is in third or fourth in the league standings, but they've got ten wins and only two losses. They're nationally ranked, and you know they've got sky-high expectations. They're strong all over the field, uh, so they're having a great season as 
as well. Uh, field hockey and, and, and women's soccer, they're both pretty young teams, but they're in the thick of their conference championship race, just trying to get into the, in the NE10 tournament, and then, you know, who knows what happens there. And uh, the volleyball team is right there in the middle of the pack in the NE10. They um, had a run to the NE10 final last year as the number seven seed in the tournament, and that shocked a lot of people, and they had basically everyone coming back this year, so, you know, there's, that season's so much longer than everyone else's. I believe the postseason had started until the third week in November, so they've still got plenty of matches uh, yet to play, uh, but they're right in the thick of it as well. And then as far as the you know, the non-live stat sports, as I call them, uh, cross countries had some success in each of their races so far. They're very young, but very deep and talented. Uh, they don't run their anything championship race until a couple more weekends, I believe. Uh, the women's golf team, they hosted their first ever tournament, a two-day tournament this year, and they came uh, in third place there, I believe. They've been playing some really challenging uh, tournaments across all over the region. They've traveled to Ohio. They've traveled to Michigan. Uh, they've been all over, and up, uh, they've braked for the fall now. They'll be back at it for the spring, and they should be a favorite in the uh, first ever any 10 Women's Golf Championship next April. And uh, Women's Crew just rode in the head of the Charles for the first time ever. Their fourth years of varsity program, and you know, that's a historic moment for them as well. And I'm trying to think if I left anyone out. I know there's a lot of teams. I don't think I did. I think I got all of them. All right, Chris. Now, you're a New Jersey guy. Now, next weekend, Merrimack will head down to New Jersey to participate in the uh, Liberty uh, Invitational. I know you must have some thoughts on that. It's going to be exciting being in an NHL arena, you know, where the Devils play. It's honestly, shockingly, it's going to be my first time at the Pro. Uh, I think it's it's in seven years old now, and somehow, some way, I think it opened up when I just got to college, and you know, just wasn't in New Jersey a lot going to BU and being in New England all those years, and I just kept missing games. I actually saw the Devils play against the Bruins. It's probably the last time I saw them live a few years ago, so that's going to be awesome in itself as a you know, lifelong Devils fan. Uh, seeing that game on Saturday night against the Blue Jackets, hopefully they'll have a couple more wins between now and then. Hopefully no more shootout losses after going 0-13 last year. Uh, but, I mean, for this team as well and for this program to have the chance to play in an NHL rink, it's, it's always an awesome feeling. Uh, you've got four quality programs down there between Merrimack, UConn, uh, Yale, and Princeton. you got the 2013 national champion. Uh, you got an up-and-coming Princeton squad, and you got UConn who, you know, there's going to be some maybe not bad blood, but there's certainly going to be an interesting storyline there, having seen them only two weeks ago uh, between this game and that game. So that's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Well, listen, before I let you go, uh, I know that you, you probably have a neutral opinion on this, but World Series, Giants or Royals? You'd think it would be neutral. Um, but... The last time the Royals won in 1985, what happened a year later? My Mets won the World Series. Well, we don't like to talk about that around here. No, I know, I know. But uh, I guess I'm, I mean, it, it would just be so cool to see the Royals win. That, that fact aside about the Mets, I mean, they are the ultimate underdog right now. It feels like so much in, in baseball. You see the underdog maybe have a couple upsets here and there, but you don't see them go all the way. And this year, you know, you feel like the last time a Royals team made it like this, it's almost what happened to the Colorado Rockies in 07 when they were that underdog and they you know got, got swept much to their dismay uh, but the Royals are in it and you got three games this weekend in San Francisco I don't know if, if they can go one and two bring it back to Casey who knows I, I'm hoping for the Royals though Chris it's always great seeing you always great talking with you you do a fantastic job and uh, we want to thank you very much for coming on with us John it's always a pleasure and keep doing what you do all right that's Chris Aliano he is the director of athletic communications at Merrimack College we'd like to thank Chris very much for stopping by when we come back we'll take a look at the statistical recap, get you caught up on the out-of-town scores, and all that is coming up next. And you're tuned in right now to Merrimack Warrior College Hockey right here on the Merrimack Radio Broadcast Network.